0: Hello there, Rancho Obi Wan, the Guinness World Records certified largest Star Wars memorabilia collection, located in Petaluma, California, featuring the collection of super collector, author, and Star Wars fan ambassador Steve Sansweet. The most powerful Jedi ever. Visit RanchoObi-Wan.org and subscribe to the Rancho Obi Wan Virtual Museum. <laughs> a fun, authentic fan experience featuring rare photos, videos, Steve Sansweet Q A's, virtual tours of the museum, exclusive behind the scenes stories and information and so much more plus your subscription helps ensure the future of the museum it's the rancho obi-wan virtual museum subscribe now at rancho wanorg get tons of cool perks information and history of star wars collecting from the man who knows it best steve Sansui. while contributing to the preservation of the world's largest star wars memorabilia collection rancho obi-wan.org <laughs> This podcast is part of the Red Five Network. For more Red Five Network podcasts,
1: visit redfivenetwork.com.
2: You've tuned in to the fastest-growing Star Wars podcast on this side of Moss Eisley. Grab your sunscreen and your blasters. This is the Scarif Podcast.
3: Welcome, everybody, to the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. We got a special show for you today, isn't that right, Brad? Uh, I'm.
1: I, I can't tell you how excited I've been. Uh, this has been a dream. We've talked about this since uh, since we started.
3: I can't wait. Happy May 25th to everyone in the chat and everybody on uh, YouTube and our uh, folks and friends on Twitch who are watching this on Twitch, uh, playing some games and uh, taking a break to listen to the of Scuttlebutt podcast. Welcome one and all. Brad, how's it going? It, I mean, it's uh, we're, we're going to remember this one for a while, uh, yes. th- this
1: Star Wars Day and this podcast.
3: So, uh, hey, Star Wars fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Scarif Podcast. I am Ro, Mr. 2K226 from Chicago, coming to you live on YouTube. Thank you to uh, everyone in the chat for stopping by this very special show I'm joined today by my co-host, Mr. Brad, my R2 to my 3PO, my Jar Jar to my Captain Tarples. Yes, you know him as Master Sypho Symphonic because he's always music to my ears when he comes on to the show. Mr. Brad, how's it going, man? Happy May 25th. 43 years. 43 years. No, not
1: really. I mean, uh, there's another birthday out there. Well, first of all, happy birthday to Frank Oz as well. That's true. Uh, but, uh, My favorite movie, Return of the Jedi, also turning 37 today, Um, but uh, uh, time has flown. It seems like just yesterday I was on on the the playground in first grade uh, as Luke Skywalker, playing with two friends who were always Princess Leia, and the other guy was always a stormtrooper. I don't know why I didn't pick Vader, but uh, he wanted to be a stormtrooper, and uh, here we are just a couple years later, and now we're... uh, podcasting about it it's amazing
3: just a few i remember star wars action figures in the playground i remember playing with uh darth vader c-3po and chewbacca and none of them at the time had any real scenes together so we made everything up so uh it, it was very difficult, but uh, enjoyed that uh, those little scenes that we did in the playground, and it's been fantastic. So all these decades later, and we're st- we're still talking about this movie, this franchise, rich in characters, full of adventure, and the fact that people are still clamoring for more stories in this vast galaxy far, far away. How is that possible, Brad? <laughs> Well, I mean I mean this the
1: the movies stand for themselves to begin with and I mean they give you enough to to talk about for for a long time but you know just when you think you've got it all figured out and you know everything there is to know about Star wars they go and add some more some more content whether it be uh, cartoons video games or you know in this case we're gonna be talking about some really awesome books that just add more and more layers you know, to the story and just more depth and that's how we're able to talk about it for for so long and so frequently,
3: That is true. Today is a special day. As you can see, I'm wearing my 52577 t-shirt. And uh, I'm sure you folks uh, can relate. Uh, we'll tell you how to get this t-shirt a little later on. But uh, yeah, today's a special day for us fans. As uh, we have an amazing guest that we're going to chat with and have been teasing for a while. We're super excited to uh, talk to her about uh, her work. Um, I've got a little bit of that right here. Which one's your favorite, Brad? Uh,
1: that that that's that's a hard one, and I, and I posted a poll on Twitter for for Twitter folks to pick uh, their favorite, and uh, that, that's a pretty tight race as well. Um, but uh, I had the pleasure of meeting our guest um, back in 2017 at DragonCon down in Atlanta, uh, and uh, she couldn't have been nicer, more pleasant to meet, and. Uh, you can just truly tell that you know not only does she know Star Wars, but she loves Star Wars as well. So, to have her on here today is is extremely exciting for me.
3: Yeah, and I was uh, working Star Wars Celebration Chicago here. Uh, as uh, everyone knows, I am a photographer for NBC Chicago, and uh, w- what a dream job that was! Uh, those uh, couple of days that uh, we just spent all day at uh, McCormick Place, it was fantastic um i didn't get to see her there but uh I, I did see her signing some stuff but i didn't get to meet her um as i was uh, basically on the clock the entire time but uh, yes multiple award winners like the 2018 dragon award media tie-in novel for our one of our favorite books leia uh favorite of mine nominated for all sorts of other awards master and apprentice a favorite of yours uh brad uh, countless fan accolades. Uh, we've been getting messages uh, all week uh, talking about uh, w- you know what uh, favorite books people love. Uh, Obi-Wan Qui-Gon. It's truly an honor to have Miss Claudia Gray on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Let's uh, bring her in and say hello to Claudia Gray, everyone. Hi there. Hey, how's it going? Sorry for that long-winded intro, but we just wanted to make sure that people <laughs> no. recognize what we're going to be doing today.
2: All right. Fantastic. I'm glad to be here. Excellent.
3: Thank you so much. So I was looking through some of your information and came across a uh, a Goodreads bio uh, a um, while ago. When was is that, that coming? Yeah, besides hinting at some strange connection with diamond smugglers, tongue-in-cheek, of course, uh, you said that you were a disc jockey, a lawyer, a journalist, uh, all fine professions, by the way. Uh, But I was curious about the journalist portion, as I mentioned that I'm a photographer for NBC here in Chicago, and I work with a lot of reporters and journalists, and I was just wondering uh, real fast, how did you like telling those stories versus the stories that you currently
2: tell? I enjoy journalism a lot. And it prepares you very well in many ways for being a professional writer, because as I'm sure you know, you don't get to be precious about anything with the daily publication. <laughs> you know? They're like, yeah, you wrote 750 words. It's gonna be 170 words and you're gonna like it. <laughs> you know? Like you you just learn. And they always say, add more information and make it shorter. Add more information and <laughs> make it shorter. It makes you write tight and it gets you over edits. Um, you know, obviously I enjoy what I'm doing now a whole lot more, but I did enjoy being a journalist, I mostly worked in magazines.
3: That's cool. Yeah. Like I said, I work with a lot of reporters and they get, you know, they get a minute 10 to tell their story. And it does make you uh, write a little tighter, a little bit more concise. And, uh, you know, just to kind of trim away at uh, some of the uh, some of the fluff that uh, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, Folks like to kind of embellish, but in in news, it's it's slightly different. But we are so glad that you are doing what you're doing because uh, not only us, but a lot of people in the chat and around the world are enjoying uh, the uh, the books and the stories that you have been able to to tell uh, for us to to enjoy. It is fantastic.
2: That is both really gratifying and a little bit terrifying. I was like, oh, what if they sure. have the next one? <laughs> The first time, I didn't really have any expectations, and now I'm like, oh, seriously. So there's, there's pressure
1: on Star Wars writers?
2: Uh, there can be, yes. I didn't <laughs> pick up on any of it in the beginning when I was working on Lost Stars. I wasn't one bit scared. It had never occurred to me to be scared. It was like, I think I've said this before, it was like that moment in Ferris Bueller's day off when the two guys take off in the in the convertible and the Star Wars theme is playing and they're in midair like, like basically, that was the entire writing process of that for me. That was no terror.
3: So yeah, I mean, Lost Stars, and I, I, I thought I had it with me, but I know Brad and I, we started uh, rereading Lost Stars. We we grabbed a whole bunch of your books, but uh, Lost Stars is really the the first one that I uh, picked up when it came to, um, what what are they calling it? The Road Two or the the journey? Let me tell you, it's uh, I couldn't put it down. It was uh, it was very cinematic the way i visualized it the way it was written and uh i enjoyed it very much i i it's one of those books that i just kind of pick up every so often and reread uh so kudos uh i guess my first question uh for you is what is your earliest memory of star wars
2: i remember seeing it but i saw it several times in the theater that summer like i think 95 percent of america and possibly the world did so I don't know that I remember the first time I saw it uh I was six when it came out I turned seven very shortly thereafter and I don't really remember a time when I when Star Wars wasn't a part of my imagination of my whatever you want to call it fanish life because it turns you into a fan immediately (laughs) it it flipped that switch and done um so, yeah, I don't remember a time. I remember the first flush of excitement for it. You know, I wanted a princess Leia doll so bad that Christmas. You cannot. Like it made it made Ralphie's desire for the red Ryder BB gun like a passing thing. I wanted this desperately. And also I would like to take this time and I've called it out before and I'll call it out again to whatever fool made the princess Leia doll just a teeny bit too big to wear Barbie clothes. You're a horrible person and you can be sad. That's too funny. That's just wrong. Just wrong. She just had one dress. She just had to stand there in
3: that one dress. (laughs) That one dress, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, a lot of memories with those figures. And, obviously, today being a special day for us, uh, May 25th. It uh, it's very nostalgic. You know, like we mentioned uh, earlier, uh, we're still talking about this movie. And, you know, authors like yourself bringing new things to the Star Wars uh, lore, the, the, the world building that George Lucas started so many decades ago. Um, it, it's got to feel amazing uh, for you. Uh, and uh, obviously it's amazing for us because we get to dive back into that world, back into that universe. And... Um, my hat's off to, to, to you, uh, Claudia. It's fantastic. So what was it like? Uh, how did you become involved in the Star Wars community as, uh, as a writer professionally?
2: Um, I, it just came out of the blue. Um, I knew an editor who worked at Star Wars and had known her for a long time, but they had never done anything that was a young adult novel, really, at that point. They had done, you know, they basically went straight from kind of like chapter readers all the way up to adult books. They just moved ahead to that. And so since I had only written young adult books at that point, it never occurred to me that she might think of me for this, but unbeknownst to me, they were like, yeah, we should do some Young Adult. Who's a young adult writer who loves Star Wars and works fast. And this editor knew me. And so I just get this email out of the clear blue one day. I was pumping gas, looking at my phone and like, wait, what? You know, so, um, Yeah, that was I was super excited about it, obviously, from the get go, because, you know, I mean, imagine going back in time to your little seven year old self and being like, someday you will get to play Star Wars for months and they will pay you for it. You know, yes,
1: that's
3: awesome.
2: Yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, we we talked about Lost Stars, uh, you know, just a couple minutes ago. And uh, I'll tell you. Uh, I know you smartly stay off social media as, <laughs> as much as possible, uh, but uh, today you may have picked up that uh, make Solo 2 happen is, is a big uh, hashtag out there. But, you know, I'm uh, and some even some folks in the chat have joined me. Uh, we're all about making Lost Stars uh, 2 happen. Uh, we would all love to see that happen. I'll tell you, I first got Lost Stars on audio. And uh, mm-hmm. I was on a long trip home. Uh, I'm in the military and I was on a long trip home. I uh, literally took the long way home uh, just <laughs> so I could finish that book. Oh, um, awesome. So what was it like, you know, developing that book, uh, you know, from from such a different perspective than what we normally see? You know? Uh,
2: yeah. I mean, they they came to me they and they said I thought they were going to give me an outline and tell me exactly what to write. And they didn't do that at all. Uh, They just said, okay, we want a story about two childhood friends who wind up on opposite sides of the war, but they still have this bond. And there's this angry, troubled guy who winds up in the empire. And there's a really idealistic girl who winds up in the rebellion. And I said, okay, I want the angry guy in the rebellion and the idealistic girl in the empire. And they said, okay, Uh, because it's more interesting, I think, really to go. I mean, what is it? They say there's more than a trillion people in the Imperial Starfleet. You know, they can't all be, you know, blah, ha, ha, evil, you know, they, at least some of these people must think they're doing the right thing. You know, if so, like, what do they know? How do they justify what they know? What kind of information are they being fed? And on the rebel side, I also thought it would be interesting to see somebody who isn't quite as bright and shiny about the force and the Republic, but just knows that the empire is wrong. I think we all imagine when you're a kid, I mean, you wonder what it's like to be the big heroes, but you also wonder what is it like to live in that universe? What is it like to walk around in that? And uh, right before um, the great lockdown um, in the before times, I got to go to Galaxy's Edge for the first time. And that moment where you're like, wait, I'm walking around in it. I'm walking around and it. it's pretty great. <laughs>
1: Just got goosebumps. Yes, yeah, yeah. so, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, we have an upcoming show uh, where we're going to be talking about propaganda, specifically in the Star Wars universe. Uh, so, you know, I just want to see if I get your quick take on that. How do you think people in, you know, during the height of the Civil War, how do you think that, you know, Joe Schmo in, in, in the galaxy w- would have seen this conflict? Do you, you know, do, would, do you think they would have seen the, the rebels as heroes or w- what do you think?
2: Um, let's put it this way. I think by the end there, most people were seeing the empire as the villains, um, because they didn't just take over. They took over and really ransacked worlds and, uh, you know, trampled over people. And so, but, and then once you blow up Alderaan, you've kind of given it away that you're making, you know, oh, we made a thing that blows up planets. Nobody's going to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. You lost that thing. That sounds terrible. You know, <laughs> or it's going to be like, what you know um so by that time i think everybody's like we need somebody else absolutely and feelings about the rebellion would probably be different um i think i mean you have holonet and stuff but there isn't sort of one main thing there isn't um you know you don't see like two major broadcast channels or something that are informing the galaxy different people are hearing different things uh you know you have everything i mean somehow luke has not heard of the force you know on tatooine but then on you know other planets people are pretty informed about it so um exactly how isolated people are what they're hearing you could be sure that palpatine is putting out his message very very loud and clear but there are places you know i mean when you look at tatooine you know like that message isn't getting through there a whole lot. People know it's out there, but they're not sitting around like mulling this over. You know, the galaxy is a big place. I think that was a really unclear answer. And I apologize. no. no
1: I, you know, I'm just uh, I'm glad that Sienna and Thane have become part of the normal Star Wars vernacular now. So whenever uh, Lost Stars 2 is going to happen, you just let us know.
2: I will. I fundamentally believe it's going to happen. When? I can't tell you. I'd love to do it. I feel like they'd like to do it. But um, what I always say is for years after Lost Stars, they were like, oh, what other things would you like to write? And one of the first things I said was I want to do a a book about Qui-Gon, you know, and then years went on. And I kept going, well, why can't I do a Qui-Gon book? I want to do a Qui-Gon book. And then the 20th anniversary of The Phantom Menace rolls around. And that of course is when they were gonna do the Qui-Gon book. I didn't know they were gonna be doing a big publishing initiative attached to that. So I'm assuming that there's something out there that I'm not privy to that is going to be the cue for when Lost Stars 2 will happen. That said, like I've, I have thoughts about it. It's not like I would be starting from scratch when it happens, but um, you know, also we need more canon in that time period post Jakku because part of lost stars is that you bounce up against other events. And I don't think you can completely abandon that, even if it wouldn't be as big a thing in in the sequel, but now thanks to the Mandalorian and maybe some other stuff, we're going to be seeing a little bit more of that time period, you know, and like how great would it be to have Santa Thane? you know, run into like the Werner Herzog character yeah. from uh, The Mandalorian. I think that would be so great. Uh, be <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you could know, have them, awesome. Yeah, they could be on the outskirts of all of this stuff again, having their own narrative and their own story, but also showing you a couple other perspectives on some things that have emerged. So I, I hate to say the delay is a good thing, but the more canon we get, I think the happier we're going to be. It yeah, hasn't happened uh, yet.
3: I'm
1: already excited for it.
3: Uh, totally. I mean, there's a lot of people that want to go, you know, way forward or way back. And obviously you're you're working on, on your current project that's kind of going back. But there are people that are uh, cautiously optimistic or maybe even uh, folks that really don't want to spend uh, too much more time in the in the area of time that we know. Um, but, uh, for me, I think it's an exciting thing. There's a lot of stories there that we can you know, learn from, uh, especially, uh, because of the Mandalorian,
2: mm-hmm. uh, we've
3: got some stories there that, uh, are, are getting ready to be told and, uh, I'm very excited. And if we can get more of that stuff, um, you know, I, I think the way that you approached lost stars is so unique getting to the point where, where I realized when I was first reading it how um these characters these new characters are kind of intertwined with the things that we already know and when you started writing things um that kind of dove right into scenes from the original trilogy i was like my mind was blown was that something that that you thought of right away or what kind of other restrictions did you have when you were writing lost stars
2: you know, I don't remember whether I thought of that or they mandated that. I don't actually think it was either one. I think they were like, yeah, it takes place during the events of that trilogy. And we knew that it wasn't going to be like, look, they turn out to be Luke and Leia's best friends. You know, and we spent all this time with these characters, you know, we knew it wouldn't be like that. But we also knew like they have to be at some of these places. Of course, they got to be at the Battle of Hoth. Of course, somebody's got to be on the Death Star. And once you have that, then, okay, you start with- Characters and events where they would naturally be, you know, uh, which is sort of the critical thing. You don't have Thane um, getting to know, you know, he meets Mon Mothma in the aftermath of Battle of Hoth, which is a time when, you know, the entire rebellion is sort of getting together and huddling up and trying to find new shelter. It's a time when they could interact um, and so on and so forth. So, You know, it was fun. And they they didn't want it to be too much. They said, don't do much. Don't do much. So I did it. And then one of the first things with the edits, they were like, oh, can you do some more? Because I think they thought I was going to get carried away with it when I actually took them at their word.
3: Well, yeah, it's, it's like I said, when I realized that that that's what you were doing and threading stuff through there, I was just like, oh, my God, it's it was it was an amazing read for me. Definitely. So and we're d- definitely going to talk a little bit about Qui-Gon and and, uh, and Obi-Wan, uh, because we we sense that uh, you had great joy writing those characters. Oh, yeah. um, but uh getting back to Bloodline, it's probably one of the most important canon novels out there. And I have trouble concentrating when I read, but I just, I couldn't put Bloodline Bloodline down. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about the development of that book, that story?
2: Yeah, that was actually, they came to me that summer. So The Force Awakens still isn't out. And they had an idea for it. And that one was the only one where they gave me more than like a one or two line thing. They gave me about a page. And a lot of that was background information. And it was sort of Leia works in the rebellion and she has this guy that works for her called Castrofo but secretly he's terrible. And he has all these Imperial things that are hidden and he betrays her as Vader's kid. And uh, and then she sort of decides that she has to leave the Senate and and form the resistance. And my first thought was, well, she's got to blow something up, you know, um, she's got the it was, you know, you needed action. And also, I didn't really buy that Leia as one of the leaders of you know, an underground resistance movement for years would not have some instincts about who is and isn't trustworthy. You know, if it were possible to fool her very easily on that score, the rebellion would not have made it very far. You know, so sure. I really kind of didn't buy that one of her closest people would secretly be this thing. So I thought, OK, I'll put Castro in the Senate and make him his own thing and make him the, quote unquote, enemy that sort of has a point. You know, he's not imperial, but he's not a supporter of the way that the republic has gone. And she has to sort of hear and acknowledge some of that. Um and I felt like he wound up being a lot more interesting that way. Uh, so that was sort of basically how that unfolded. And they had to tell me that this; these were the only spoilers for The Force Awakens that I got. Besides, uh, if you crash that that Star Destroyer in Lost Stars instead of having it blow up in space, and you put on a planet called Jakku, then you can do that. But the only other thing, they, they told me that Han and Leia had had you know, a child named Ben, but he had turned out to be Kylo Ren and they had been together before that, but, you know, that they sort of split around this time and the time frame was still a little liquid. Um, So I knew that that was all the information I had. And so it was also sort of important to me to sort of establish where Han and Leia were sort of as the couple, because, you know, I love them. I loved them. I was a kid. I, I, You know, I always believed in that, and so it was kind of important for me to show like, just because something really terrible happened and tore some things asunder doesn't mean this thing didn't work in its own way for a good long while.
3: A lot of people in the chat are saying that uh, he's uh, a, a fan favorite, and uh, he was a, a fan favorite, especially when I was reading him. Um I want you know we joke around a lot when we talk about uh, Star Wars being about politics and trade routes and spice runs and all that stuff but Bloodline really again the intrigue uh within the political parties the 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 senate and and all the relationships between the characters um were so fascinating you've got such a you've got such a way with with uh with the characters that you write and it's it's just a joy just to kind of dive into your books and uh, and explore. I mean, talk about vert. You know, th- this the the new gaming stuff is like all VR. It, that's mm-hmm. how I feel when I when I open up one of your books. It's like yeah. I'm walking in to that world uh, because you tell that story so well, so vividly that uh, you know my imagination. You know, doesn't it's not working overtime to really imagine stuff. It's it's like right there. And it, it's, it's a wonderful thing. So getting back to Bloodline, you know, it's probably the second most important moment after the Empire Strikes Back, I Am Your Father reveal. Um, what was it like to write that scene, that, that revelation um, with,
2: uh, with Leia and uh, the Senate? Writing that reveal, um, I actually kind of had to argue my point with that a little bit because the original idea was that, oh, well, Leia made peace with this a while ago. And it was just about the discovery. And I was like, I don't know how you make peace with that exactly. Luke went through the experience of having, you know, Anakin actually return and speak to him and save him. He, he had that. And he was apparently able to speak to him <laughs> or at least wave in the afterlife. So he had some opportunity for closure. Whereas pretty much every time we saw Leia with Vader in the original trilogy, he's having her tortured you know that's her experience yeah. and and he blew up her planet in front of her and you're not going to come to peace with that nearly as easily and you always also have the sense that you know she's got more of a temper she's a little bit angrier a person than Luke is and so i wanted that reveal to also sort of be part of her coming to terms with it. But yeah, it was great to write that. It was so much fun. At the time, I had it be uh, a hologram instead of an audio recording of Bail Organa. And they were like, you can't do that. I was like, why, why couldn't I do that? And they're like, we have something too similar. And I was like, holograms are how people talk. I don't get it. Yeah. And then like, I went and saw Rogue One. It was like, oh, that's <laughs> 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 Okay. I see it now. Yeah. All right. Thank you. But uh, yeah, it was really fun to write that and have that moment and just be able to, you know, drop the mic, I guess.
3: Yeah. I mean, a lot of your book, you know, we we uh, we read and we watch these movies. Uh, they're so cinematic. They're so visual. And reading your books, I can kind of hear, you know, John Williams music playing in in, in
2: my head. And, and uh, it just flows so well. It flows really, really well. Um, thank you. That's. High praise, And that's one of the things I do try to do the most, make it, you know, like add moments that hopefully let it be visual and, and cinematic to some degree. Mission accomplished.
1: I, I got to say, uh, I literally had chills when I read that scene when like the whole galaxy found yes. out, like maybe this wound was about to heal, but now it's just wide open. But mm-hmm. I, I got to ask real quick, Hutt Slayer, is that, is that a Claudia Gray original? Cause that is, that is,
2: it is not. It, is, it was circulating in fandom for a while. And I don't have it anymore. But for a while, I had a Tumblr that was just me being a fan Tumblr versus my professional one. And then after a few years, I realized the content in these things is almost exactly the same, except for the rare times that I plug my books on my Tumblr. So maybe I don't actually need them both. And I let the fan one go. But I saw it on my fan one. So I'm going, like, you know, it shouldn't be Slave Leia. It should be Hutslay or Leia. And all these people going, yeah. And I put on there. And I was like we're going to do this. And just, you know, they didn't know it was me. <laughs> um, and honestly, I'm not even sure that uh, the force awakens was, I mean, uh, lost stars was out yet. So they wouldn't have cared if they did know. But, uh, from that moment, I was like, yeah, that's a cool way to do it. Although I also thought it was important. Like Leia never calls herself that. And she wouldn't like for sure. her. That was just dirty work that had to be done. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it would be interesting to have a different perspective on that because, you know, I mean, yeah, she's in this bikini and she's chained up and then she strangles Hut to death with that chain, <laughs> with that chain and with the strength of her own two arms. Yeah. I mean, come on. like I, I feel like that moment deserves a little bit more recognition from one moment of pure badassery, you know, right
1: for the, for the Nikto to idolize her like that and to see her almost as a liberator. And, and, you know, they're a warrior class of, of people. I think mostly that, that, that's really cool. Yeah. Um,
2: No, I mean, nobody, there were people like, Oh man, Jabba, he was the best. You know, there were a lot (laughs) of people who hated Jabba the Hutt. So when they saw that, they would be like, Oh, that was fantastic. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) So, uh, moving on to Master and Apprentice, uh, you know that gives us a deeper look into the relationship between Qui Gon and Obi Wan. Um, you know, having uh, seen you talk at Dragon Con a couple of years ago in two thousand seventeen, I know uh, you are a huge fan of Qui Gon and whatever Qui Gon work. You know, you want to, you know, whatever you want to produce, we're gonna, we're going to eat it up. Um, we we did a show uh, a few weeks ago. And I want to see if I could get your take on it, where okay. uh, we posed the question, what would have happened if Qui-Gon had trained Anakin instead of Obi-Wan? Would things have turned out differently? And with, with your with your knowledge and understanding of Qui-Gon, I just want to see if I could get you to weigh in on that. What, do you think uh, things would have turned out the same way? Or do you think uh, the events uh, around uh, Revenge of the Sith may have turned out a little bit differently?
2: It's hard to know because the big wild card there is Palpatine. Palpatine is out there and... He's going to modify his tactics based on what he has to work with. So, while I think, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel like what happened, you know, Qui Gon meant well. But what happened was almost as unfair to Obi-Wan as it was to Anakin, because you're supposed to be a Jedi Knight for a few years before you become a master. You're supposed to have more experience and more of this. He didn't get a day of of being a full Knight until he had a student. And it was a student who was so much older than any other student that had ever happened. And a student who had memories of family life that he lost. And we can appreciate what it means to have that torn away. Obi-Wan grew up in the creche. He can't appreciate that. He doesn't understand that loss. He can't. Uh, you know, so it clearly didn't work that well. Um, at the same time, Anakin's fall has to be his own. You know, you if you point and go, oh, well, it's all because they messed this up, then the story really loses a lot of its power if it's not Anakin's choice. And I think Qui-Gon would have been a more natural and sort of instinctive teacher. And I think probably for a lot of that time, Anakin would have had an easier go of it. But I also feel pretty strongly that Palpatine would have been coming after him in one way or another and tailoring his approach to whatever Qui-Gon did. And so would it be inevitable? You know, Who can say? But I don't think it's as easy going, oh, well, if Qui-Gon had been his teacher, everything would have been okay because we just don't know how Palpatine would have played it at that
3: point. Right, and we always, Brad and I, always talk about uh, how Palpatine uh, is probably one of the more uh, powerful characters in all of Star Wars because mm-hmm. of his involvement, because of his uh, patience, and uh, you know, master chess player. I mean, he put all the pieces together to be able to do what he did at the end of the day and uh, rule the galaxy as he did. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, you he was know,
2: playing chess when everybody else was playing checkers.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly.
2: So, you know, getting, uh, getting into, you know, uh,
3: character building and world building, um, what are types, what are some of the types of things that you enjoy doing more? Do you prefer writing new characters or building on already established
2: lore? Oh gosh, it depends. You sure. know, there have been times when I've built on lore and it's been really fun, but I've also really enjoyed creating the original characters as well. Um, you know, you fall in love with all of them to some degree. I guess the most fun I've had is building out Princess Leia, so I would have to vote for that in the end. But you know, creating Bane and Cyan,a or you know, Pax and Rahara, or whoever later on, it's kind of great imagining people in other little slivers of the galaxy, people who aren't the main villain or big hero and aren't necessarily privy to the master plan. People who are just caught up living in this incredible galaxy. That has, you know, it's so layered. It's so the world that George Lucas built. I mean, I really think the two great world builders, at least in the 20th century, it's Tolkien and Lucas. Yeah. You know, you knew that world had millennia of history from the first movie alone. You just knew it. It was built in that. And when you are that infatuated with a universe like I am, and I think most Star Wars fans are, you can't help but wonder what it's like to be in every little corner of that universe.
3: Yeah. That just gave me chills because we talk about that a lot uh, between uh, some of our other friends uh, like Andrew and Marisha of uh, Coruscant Radio Underground of, as far as world building. Um, they are big uh, Lord of the Rings fans, and uh, we definitely get together and, and, and talk about that. Um, so uh, spot on, Claudia. That That is a perfect uh, observation, and we totally agree. Okay. So it sounds like Leia uh, was your favorite
1: uh – established character to write, who was your, you know, who, who's been your favorite baby, you know, your, your, your original character to write.
2: I still have to say Thane and siana I just do probably mostly siana because getting into the, like, how does a good person justify being in the empire? You know, that is a mind twister and it's easier in the beginning. Like as far as she knows, you know, she's younger. She grew up, this is the state, this is the government. Uh, No government is perfect. You do what you can do, right? And you get more and more information as she goes on. But then she's in deeper and deeper. And, you know, it's very human not to stop and say, well, I've invested in this so deeply, but something is terribly wrong with it. I'm going to turn back. It's very human to double down on that bet. Like, I can save this. I've given up too much. And that's true politically. It can be true personally. Um, In economics, I think they call it the sunk cost fallacy. (laughs) You know, um, people do double down on that. And she stuck with that until finally, when she sees the second Death Star under construction, like at that point, she can't really hide from that anymore. But it was really fun getting into her mindset and making sure that she came from a culture where. It could be kind of believable that honor would mean that much to her, keeping her word.
1: Yeah, I mean, seeing seeing that seeing the saga from their their eyes and their standpoint, and even the tertiary characters in in Lost Stars, you know, you know how how can you know the the folks on the Death Star watching Alderaan blow up, you know, how can you still, after seeing that, you know, as you said, double down and and support the government Mm -hmm. even more? I mean, the the moral. Dilemmas that were brought, and in, in, yeah, uh, we—I've seen you talk about before. You know, it's classified as a young adult. Uh, that I don't think there's anything young adult about that book. You know, seeing those moral issues that were brought up in that—that's that's some serious stuff. So you know, we appreciate that.
2: I do too. Although you know, you have some serious stuff in young adult novels. I think you know they're. Was an expectation before Lost Stars came out. There were a lot of people going, like, oh, we don't need Twilight and Star Wars. And it was like, there's a lot more out there. I mean, to take, for instance, The Hunger Games, that is young adult to the core, and it really gets into some heavy stuff.
3: True. That is one of the uh, things that, as an adult, I really enjoy about the Star Wars world because, you know, even, you know, we see a lot of very serious topics being introduced in like clone wars in a cartoon for kids. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there that is, you know, miles above just spaceships and laser swords. And I think um that's one of the um fabrics that's part of the fabric of Star Wars and why it's lasted so long, I think.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's very yin-yang in terms of black and white, in terms of the good and evil that's set there, but then you see that there are all these people on the continuum between you know, Palpatine and Luke Skywalker. Sure. And the longer you spend in that universe, the more you become interested in the middle area.
3: Definitely. And, uh, speaking of all other eras of star Wars, um, is there anything that you can tell us about your current work? No, you know, I, cannot.
2: <laughs> I would love to, but I not, um, it's been a lot of fun. I can say sure. that. And I'm really happy with some of the characters and I, I hope you're going to enjoy them too.
3: I'm sure we are. And uh, I, I know a lot of people in the chat ha- are going crazy, chomping at the bit. Uh, can't wait to see what is next for, for you, Claudia and what is next yeah. for us as fans. So uh, we really appreciate that.
2: Oh, thank you guys. I'm really honored that people have enjoyed the books this much and that they're looking forward to more. I'm, I hope I live up to your expectations.
3: Oh, yeah. So far, so far, so good.
2: (laughs) 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 So I wanted to ask you
3: where uh, where can people find uh, your work and uh, where can we tell people to go to uh, enjoy some of the uh, the past Claudia Gray books?
2: Um, they are available wherever books are sold. Uh, I mean, you can order whatever, uh, I have my website, Claudia gray.com grave than a, which is badly in need of updating, but does have links to, uh, yeah, it's getting that later this year, but, uh, has links to everything else that I've written, uh, which is how many young adult series. I think it's four different young adult series and the, and the star Wars novels. And, um, I'm hoping to sell my first original novel for adults soon. I don't know when exactly, but I'm hopeful.
3: That's awesome. Somebody to looking forward to. Somebody in uh, in the chat mentioned: Is there a uh, version of one of your books that is like an audio drama?
2: An audio, like an yeah. audio drama per se, I don't know. There are audio versions sure. of most of my books uh, and I particularly recommend, I mean, a lot of them are good but I really like the ones for the uh, Firebird series that starts with a okay. thousand pieces of you. Uh, this girl is, she's chasing, she's the daughter of famous scientist. She's chasing her father's killer through alternate dimensions and she's appearing in other versions of herself. And the narrator, did such a great job, Tavia Gilbert. She not only like did this incredible reading, but depending on where she is in the world, her accent changes. Oh wow! The people around her change. And she was able to run with everything. I actually emailed her before, before the third one and said, how are you with Australia? And she was like, I got it. <laughs> 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 you know, uh, those I think are great. They're not fully dramatized as audio right. dramas, but they there are audio versions. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to have to look for that. Yeah. Sounds like, it, a, good, sounds like a good movie, too. Uh, I, I think it would be an awesome TV yeah. show. We have yet for, original. Uh, yeah, a producer has to agree with me. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Let's hope that someday happens.
3: Soon. I can see. I can, I can tell. Soon. Yeah. Awesome. Brad, any uh, last thoughts before we uh, say goodbye to our honored guest,
1: uh, I just want to say, you know, I got to meet you three years ago and uh, got you to uh, sign my uh, Bloodline book. And I I, I tra- cherish that. So it's been a, a great pleasure to get to talk with you some more. Your understanding of Star Wars is is amazing and, and impressive. So I appreciate you coming on the show.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Especially because yes. sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm not good with the things like, oh, that's that number spaceship or <laughs> it's details this, yeah this but then i'm always like that's why we have di- visual dictionaries i sure. can just pick this amen. up and find that so yeah you just have to be committed to your geekery amen
3: definitely yeah. amen well thank you claudia for stopping by on this special may 25th uh today to talk about your work and uh, indulge us in star wars discussion it has been a blast And uh, I'm sure everybody in the chat has uh, enjoyed uh, hearing what you have to say. Uh, Claudia Gray, thank you so much.
2: Thank you, guys. This has been a lot of fun.
3: Awesome. May the Force be with you on this special May 25th edition of Scarif Podcast. And that's the scuttlebutt.
0: That's not a you may fire when ready. I've got a bad feeling about this. I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. You must unlearn what you have there. I felt a great disturbance in the Force. I suggest a new strategy, Art. You underestimate the
2: power of the dark side.